Well, good morning, everybody. It's, uh, it's good to see your eyes uh, this morning. Um, wish you could see the rest of your face, but it's good to see your eyes. It's good to be together. Um, this is our fourth and uh, final week of the uh, Defining Moments series. And as Sean said, uh, you're not done yet. So we're going to talk about that this morning. And uh, before we do, let me pray for us. Father, it is so good to be together. We know that when we enter this place, we enter a place where you reside. God, you are here today, and we're comforted by that. We pray that you open our hearts for what you have to tell us in Jesus' name. So in this, uh, in this time, it's an interesting time, right? The, the, uh, if there's ever been a defining moment, perhaps a defining year in our lives, is it not 2020? Um, of course, there's a pandemic going on, but there's more than that. Here's a few things that have happened here just this summer. In the last, um, last month, there were 11 earthquakes in 14 days in uh, Latin America and Asia Pacific. Um, there are wildfires that have burned 1.4 million acres in California. Hurricane Laura in the Gulf of Mexico has been labeled one of the worst in history, although it seems minor compared to everything else, right? Um, if you haven't noticed, we're in a grueling political battle. Anybody notice that? Um, there is tension everywhere. Over 400 million people around the world have lost their jobs in five months. That's more than the population of the United States. An $82 trillion setback in five months to a global economy. $82 trillion. The CDC surveyed about 5,500 people during a two-week period in June. They collected some alarming statistics about our social condition. 31% reported symptoms of anxiety and depression. 26% have trauma related to stress issues. 13% that they've used alcohol, prescription drugs, or illegal drugs to deal with pandemic-induced stress. 25% of those aged 18 to 24, 25% said they've, they've considered suicide as an option. And sadly, the director, Robert Redfield of the CDC said, we're seeing far greater suicides among this group now than from the deaths of COVID-19. And some of you are thinking, well, thank God that's not me. I'm not one of those statistics. And praise God for, for sound mind and health. But let me ask you a question. What's the pandemic going on inside? What's going on inside right now? Because when we think about the mindset of all of that's going on, are we falling apart inside? So I'm gonna ask you a lot of questions this morning about what is it that's going on through your head, what's going on through your mind, and what's fighting your soul right now? You know, we're, we're bringing in a lot this morning. We're bringing in um, things that happen in our family, deaths in family. We're, we're, we're bringing in issues that maybe, maybe it's our kids, maybe they're headed down a pathway that just we know is not, is not healthy. Maybe we're struggling with our community. Maybe we're, we're seeing the homeless around and we're wondering, am I, do I really care about that? Or, or is that just too much uh, for me to think about right now? And so when all of these issues happen, if it goes on and it goes on as we're seeing in heavy doses, there are times in our life where we can become what we think. In fact, Ernie Pyle, who's an IU grad and a World War II 
uh, hero, really, for his reporting. He said this about the war. In their eyes, young people, as they pass, is not hatred, it's not excitement, it's not despair, it's not the tonic of war and their victory. They're just this simple expression of being here as though they had been here doing this forever and nothing else. And he went on to talk about the young people that just became war, that the, there was a war that f went on inside. And if you've studied post-war traumatic stress syndromes, and some of you may have gone through that, the war doesn't end. It, it keeps going on. Your, bra your brain can trick you. Your brain does trick you. In the early 1990s, there was a discovery about the brain. And this discovery was, is called mirror neurons. And it's, it's located um, in the pre-motor context of your brain. And essentially what those neurons do is that they mirror what you're seeing and what you're hearing. And so this is an example of what it looks like. Someone says a hard word and that word is transmitted to the mirror neurons and it mirrors now who you are. And so this isn't a bad thing. I think God gave us mirror neurons so that we would have empathy for those who are hurting, so that we could take the gospel, own it, and share it. But the mirror neurons shriek when somebody else yells. Maybe they shrink when that happens. And so it's not isolated to just us. If you read about um, what David said in, in Psalm 38, 8, he said, I groan in anguish of heart. Matthew 14, 13 says, Jesus re withdrew to a lonely place when his friend John was beheaded. And so if you came here this morning and said, you know, my mirror neurons were fine until you laid all this depressing news on me. <laughs> Sorry about that, but hang with me, all right? We're gonna go someplace this morning, okay? And we're gonna talk about how we deal in these moments because as the church Greek word for church, ecclesia, which you've heard. That means the ones called. We were talking earlier, a little conversation before the service this morning. We are the ones called. We are the ones called for a time like this. And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. We're the ones called out. Um, I want to talk to you today about one of the most important words in the Bible. And you may say, well, I know what that is. It's Jesus. Yes, that's important. And that's the greatest name. But there's another word, and I want to walk with you here a little bit and discover it with you because it's an important word. And I'm going to share with you some images this morning just to explain. Um, if anybody's heard of the project called the Lumo Project, it just actually appeared uh, this summer on, on Netflix. Um, there were a bunch of Christian filmmakers and investors who got together, and they created a documentary-style film, and they dubbed voiceovers in over 400 languages around the world and that thing is growing like wildfire. So they encourage people to use these pictures to tell the story of the gospel. So I'm gonna use a few of those this morning if you're wondering, like, I didn't shoot these pictures, but I grabbed them. They're, they're way too good for what I would do. Um, so the Bible says that Jesus calls us a name. He calls us by name. In fact, he calls us by our ordinary name. In fact, if I look around, we're all pretty ordinary, right? No offense, but... We're some pretty ordinary people, and Jesus calls ordinary people. He called Peter. He called two fishermen, Peter and, and Andrews. We know more about Peter because of what the Bible says about Peter. 
In Acts 4.13, it says that when the Jewish leaders saw Peter and John, they weren't impressed, and they, but they realized that they were ordinary men. They were unschooled, but that they had been with Jesus. Does that describe us? We're pretty ordinary, but something stands out about us because we've been with Jesus. So Peter followed hard. Peter also fell hard. What we read about Peter is that he was a fisherman. He was a, probably a pretty smelly guy a lot. He was insecure. He was broken. When he tried to walk on the water, he did for a minute, then he lost his faith and fell in. Jesus rebukes Peter multiple times saying, Peter, get, get your head on. Peter was the only person in the Bible that, that God verbally rebuked at the transfiguration of Jesus when he said, listen to my son. It's his turn to talk. Peter went through, uh, his mother-in-law had deathly, was deathly sick. Uh, ancient um, writings tell us that Peter was forced to watch his wife be crucified right before he was crucified, which he chose to be crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified like Jesus. So Peter, Peter's struggling, but he had faith. In fact, the night before uh, Jesus' death, Peter took an oath and he said, Lord, every, if everybody denies you, I won't deny you. And Jesus corrects him immediately and says, before the night's over, you're gonna deny me three times that you even know me. And so this is all running through Peter's head. Did he have anxiety? I, I think probably so. Did that rooster that crowed at the end of those three denials, did that run through his brain? Did he, in a sense, become the rooster? What's your rooster this morning? What's running through your head? I have to tell you a little story. When I was in high school, um, I had pretty bright red hair. It's getting gray now, but it was, it was pretty bright red. And, and my sister was, uh, uh, was in beauty college, and she said, hey, I've got this new thing I want to try on you. And she put a permanent in the back of my head and feathered the front of it. So I'm pretty sure I was one of the early guys who had a mullet in, in high school. And so immediately, I was made fun of. I mean, immediately. During one of my high school basketball games, one of my best friends in the stands starts to cheer, rooster, rooster. And this was the symbol. And then the whole crowd followed. And I became rooster from that moment on. And other names that I probably can't share in church this morning. Eventually that changed and, and it, didn't, it didn't affect me. But think about what Peter went through. Think about what, what Peter went through, what ran through his head. What is his brain telling him? What's your brain telling you this morning? When we get a label, we either label ourselves or someone gives us a label. Sometimes that sticks with us, and our brain can't get rid of it. No matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you pray, that label sticks. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. How does that label get removed? So I want to get to this word. Um, turn with me in Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. Jesus went to the area of Caesarea Philippi. There he asked the disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. 
And Peter answered, but you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. No mere human showed you this. My father in heaven showed you this. And I tell you, you're now Peter. And on this rock, Peter meaning rock, Simon meaning listener, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. So Peter is sitting here at this moment and Jesus said this word, but, but what about you, Peter? So, there, so this three-letter word, but, is an extremely powerful word in God's world. It's an extremely powerful world in our lives. Hang with me. My wife went to church, but I did not. John preaches here each week, but you're stuck with me this week. I, I was hungry, but I saw you were cooking. That, hurt, that hurts a little bit. I love you, but you're crazy. This is, the word but can really work in our hearts and in a way that tells us a story. So he's telling Peter, Simon, son of Jodah, Simon meaning listener, you've got a new name here, but what about you? He says to Peter. So when you put the word God after but, it changes everything. It changes everything. Over 4,000 times in the Bible, the word but is used. And many times this, this phrase right here I want to talk about with you this morning, but God. I was headed down this pathway, but God. I didn't know where I was going in life because I had hit so many barriers, but God. My kids were struggling with this issue, but God. I really don't know what's going to happen after this pandemic, but God. So let me read you just a few but gods this morning. I'll let you see the scriptures. They're up on the screen. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep his hold on him. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. But God demonstrates his love in this. While you were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. I, a plant, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You intended to harm me, but God intended to do good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. There are, they are like sheep and are destined to die, but God will redeem me from the realm of the dead and surely will take, take me to himself. What is your but God after you recognize this rooster that's in your head, in your life? And you say, well, well you really don't understand, but I've faced this, but I... But you don't get it because you, hey, listen, if I played a video of my brain for you this morning, of the last year of my life, it would be an endless documentary of a victim mentality, victim mindset. But I'm just struggling, but I, but I don't know, but you don't understand, but God, but God does. 
Do you believe that this morning? And I know those videos run through my head. I love this, this statement. And Lauren Daigle, who sings the song, You Say, said this. I keep fighting voices in my head that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and low moment? Remind me once again who I am because I just need to know. So you're not, you're not what someone says you are. In fact, at times, you're not what you think you are. But God does. But God says, hey, 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 hold on. I see everything that's going on around you. In fact, I feel every pain that you feel. And as we sang in the song this morning, I'm running after you. You may be running away, but God is running to you. So let's see how this went for Peter. If you turn over to look at uh, John 21. So Jesus is gone. He, he said, you know, I think this is over. I think it's all done. Maybe the rooster creeps back into Peter's head and says, I need to just go back to what I was doing before. I'm going fishing. And after this long night of fishing, caught nothing. Can you imagine what's going through Peter's head? I denied the Lord three times. He's gone. I didn't even get a chance to tell him I'm sorry. They catch a mother load of fish. They show up on the shore. Jesus is standing there. Do you ever think about this in that scene? Why did Jesus come back? Hey, I mean, he had already died. The sins of the world were already wiped out. Why did Jesus come back? Did he come back for Peter? Did he come back for the apostles? Did he come back for us? Hey, Jesus is coming back. And Jesus' promise is, I'm coming back. I'm not done with you yet. That's our message. So he sits down with Peter in verses 18 and 19 after, after asking Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And finally, Peter's hurt. And he says, yes, Lord, you know everything. I love you. I'm sorry. 18 to 19 says, when you were young, you dressed yourself. But when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Follow me. Jesus said this to point out how Peter would die and how he would glorify God. A lot of commentators think that Jesus was, was trying to tell Peter, hey, look, you, you made a mistake, Peter. Like, I, I want to hear it three times now. Come on. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? I actually don't think that was the case at all. I don't, if, if you've ever thought to yourself, based on what I've done, that's, what, that's how God's treating me. God is not happy with me. God, in fact, I'm not even sure if God likes me based on what I've been thinking, what I've been doing. But God, God doesn't think that way. He said to Peter, but when you're old, you're gonna go places that aren't gonna be comfortable. But I need you to follow me. See, all of those roosters in our head, all of those moments in our lives that we think that's, these are dragging me down and I can't come up out of it. But God actually wants to do something with that. Maybe the pain in our lives, we, without that pain, would we really get to know God in his mercy, in his grace, and in his forgiveness without the pain? Pain is not fun. 
Pain is pain. But when pain flips and God says, but I'm not done with you yet, praise God, because he wants to do something with that pain to turn lives around. And that's what he's telling Peter. You're going to go through this life and you're going to face situations where people are actually going to control you. But don't you give up, Peter, because I'm not going to be done with you yet. But God is not done, church. God is not done with us, and God wants to use every moment, every weakness, every pain, every battle that we've gone to turn it. Let's look at what happens at the, at the end of Peter's life as we close. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 16. This is Peter writing now. So this is Peter writing to, to the church, and he says, Dear friends, don't be surprised when you go through painful suffering. <laughs> you think Peter understood painful suffering? You betcha. And now he's teaching. Now he's, now he's working it. Now it's in his message. But if you suffer for being a Christian, praise God that you're known by that name. And there it is. But if, but if you face this, then you need to go back and remember what God is doing, what God has done. If you, pay, if you face suffering for being a Christian, then praise God for that name. And so here's the takeaway for us this morning. God's not done with us yet. We are not done by being named whatever our parents' name is, son of Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah. You're not done at that name. In fact, you're not even done with the name that runs through your head. You're not done yet. You're not, you're not done with the rooster that might be in your brain. Oh no, God's not done with you yet. You're, you're really not done until Jesus takes all of those hurts, all of those pains, and he starts to heal others with it. I can't wait to get to heaven and talk to Peter. I can't wait to get to heaven and see the string of people behind Peter, the line of broken roosters that believe the message but God because he was not done with Peter and he's not done with you, he's not done with me. And I know you say, well, I'm still working through the pain. You go do that. You, you get prayer, you get help. Sometimes we need to get help working through pains in our lives by licensed people who know what they're doing. And sometimes we need, to, we need to confess that thing that we've been hanging on to, that thing that nobody knows about, that butt that's hanging in there for you, but God wants to deal with that. So we are, we are the church. Remember, the, the church, ecclesia, the ones called. We're called to share that story. So when we see Peter at the end of his life, he's... He's pouring it out. Now he's pouring out the pain. Don't be surprised when you go through suffering. Don't be surprised when you call names. Don't be surprised when you're dealing with issues because you can praise God because he's got something on the other side of this. We're hurting, but the enemy does not get the victory. People are dying, but death does not get its grip on our lives. The Bible says that. Death does not get the last word. Our circumstances do not get the last word because there is always, always, always a but God. 
Do you believe that this morning? Because we're going we're gonna to stand and sing here in a minute. And we're going to pour our hearts out at this song because it's about us. It's about our name. And if you've never called on, on Jesus before, if you've, if you've never gotten to that point where you've recognized but God, well, maybe today's that day. And we're going we're gonna to be up here to pray with you with a mask on. We're going to be here to, to hear your story. But here's another thing I'd like you to do this week. Whatever that story is for you, don't sit on the story. Jesus came back and said, Peter, you're going to go through this life and it's going to be take you to places you may not want to go. Tell that story. That's not an embarrassing story. That's a story that we can praise God about because he's, he's helped us to overcome that. So this morning, if you need prayer, if you need, you just need to talk. We're around, people are around this week. Let me pray with you right now. God, your promises, they just, they blow us away. Your word has victory, not victim in it. God, your love for us runs so, so deep. You didn't have to come back for us, but you promised you are. We put our hope in that this morning. We've got a name sometimes that runs through our head, and that name is, is not a nice name. And we know at the end of times, God, your word says, the name that you call us is in the book of life. And so as we wrap up this morning, God, we just we're so grateful for that promise of the name that you give us. It's not the name that sometimes we think about. It's the name, God, that, that you call us. I pray that our lives would bring you honor, that you walk with us this morning in Jesus' name.